Although I'm a doctor by profession, I am not your doctor. All content and information on this podcast and on our website is for informational and educational purposes and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship by use of our site. Although we strive to present accurate information, the podcast and website are not a substitute for your healthcare provider. Always consult a healthcare professional who knows your particular needs and circumstances before making any health-related decisions. Also, there are curse words that are unedited and graphic descriptions of bodies, bodily fluid, and other real-life scenarios that might make some listeners uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, I said it. Hi, I'm Dr. Suzanne Ciotti. And I'm Becca Hammer. Welcome to the Perimena Podcast. Topic of the day today, Suzanne, hair loss. Mm. Of all the perimenopausal symptoms, I think this one has to be the cruelest to me personally. So as you know, all my life, I have had baby fine thin hair. Ever since fourth grade. Yes, and before then. (laughs) Girl, I have not even worn a ponytail because even in my hair's glory days, like 40 years ago, it looked like a sad little rat tail. And honestly, the rubber band slipped out of my hair. Um, mm-hmm. I've sported a bob cut, as you know, forever, because it's like the only hairstyle I can even pull off. So imagine my despair when the little bit of hair I had started falling out. Mm. Oh, man. And as more, I know, as more and more of my scalp appeared, the more despondent I got. Maybe that's the whole depression thing we talked about last week. Part um, of it. On Zoom calls. So I'd be at work, and on Zoom calls, I would specifically not turn on an overhead light because it highlighted my scalp. Mm. <laughs> God. Oh, it's oh, shit. Because getting older is so cruel. Mm-hmm. I was simultaneously subjected to obscene amounts of hair growth on my face. I look like a teenage boy. I had this little mustache that started growing in. And then these chin hairs that resembled little tiny cables. Oh, it was... Uh, it. Sexy, sexy. (laughs) I've heard that that's a new thing that men really are into the whole tiny pencil thin mustache. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, here's the deal I could keep almost every other perimenopausal symptom to myself. I'm covered up, but this one, this one's a fucking misery. (laughs) So, as ever, with all things in this series, I would love to know what's going on, why this is happening, and the most important part, because I could actually do without any of that stuff as long as I know what can I do about it. Well, first, I want to say, Becca, you are beautiful just the way you are. I love the way you look. Would you love me bald? Uh, well, <laughs> See, maybe. there, enough said. You hesitated. You hesitated. That's all that needs to be said. <laughs> Well, that right. this symptom, al- al- we, hair loss, or we call it alopecia, that's the diagnostic term. It's a very common early symptom of perimenopause and hormonal change. Like sleep issues, it appears to affect women starting up to 10 years prior to the last period. So it's one of those really early, early symptoms. 
Unfortunately, mm. there's not just one cause or one solution, of course, like a lot of these other, these other symptoms we talk about. There are a lot of reasons hair loss may be occurring and many possible ways to support hair growth. So remember that some hair loss daily is normal. So we think yeah. that it's you know typical for people to lose about 30 strands of hair a day. So keep that in mind. So maybe some of what you're seeing in the drain and the shower is actually pretty normal. Another no. thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> I count my, I have so few hairs, I have right. to count. How many I have. <laughs> yeah, no. Right. <laughs> uh, right. Also, you know, sometimes people misunderstand that they think that they're losing their hair for some bigger reason, but really their hair is breaking. So breaking on, along the shaft of the hair where there's, dr because of dryness, and this might be due to over-processing, like hair coloring, heat styling, versus being lost from the follicle at the base of the hair. So that's where growth starts. That's the living part of the hair. If you're noticing that hair loss is related to breakage, you may want to decrease sig significantly how much style and how much you process your, your hair or change with the products that you're using. So that's you a different approach. Are, are you suggesting that I should potentially stop coloring my hair if I colored it? If I'm if I'm experiencing breakage? If you're experiencing breakage, yeah. And and you know, many of us in our 50s, you know, as we go from 50 to 60 really are starting to develop graying hair. So it's a common time for people to start to process. So especially bleaching, bleaching is really hard on that hair shaft and causes a lot of dryness. So you may think in order to save your hair that you don't process it quite so much. Maybe you don't wash it as much because chances are, because your hormones are changing, you're not getting such oily hair anymore. So those are just some strategies for that hair breakage. So yeah, and I'm I'm gonna be a full advocate. I'm not gonna lie for just letting it go gray. Yeah, it doesn't. I, honestly, I don't think it has the stigma it used to. Now, no. uh, I'm, I I will I will actually debate this in a job situation because mm -hmm. ageism is real. Mm -hmm. But I personally stopped dyeing my hair during COVID. I was at home and I was like, yeah. fuck it. I don't, I am not going to a salon and I don't want to do it at home. Right. And my hair is, has been going gray over the last couple of years and I, I don't hate it. I think a lot of peeps and people have shifted to that. Uh, definitely realizing what way that was taking a lot of resources and a lot of time. And I look great. Natural hair lights. Let's just let uh, highlights. Let's just let those grow in. I mean, it looks beautiful. Yep. If you can get away with it, I, absolutely. Right. All right. Okay. So we've determined that there's a difference between hair loss, alopecia, and hair breakage, mm -hmm. right? Overprocessing. Okay. Yeah. So, but the, what's the science then behind yeah. that whole perimenopause? Good thing? question. So, in the science specific to perimenopause, we know that a woman's ovaries may be making less estrogen and progesterone. So these I've hormones are really helpful to promoting hair, skin, and nail growth. So we know that they're, they help uh, promote good blood supply to the, the epidermis, which is where hair and skin and nail come from. You might have noticed also, like when you're pregnant, you remember how your nails grew like crazy? Remember how like your crazy. skin was pink and rosy? So that's due to increased blood flow to the skin structures and hormonal changes. And after having a baby, did you remember that your hair just fell out? 
<laughs> oh my god in yeah. the shower right and of course because my whole body was falling apart anyway mm-hmm. and then i would wash my hair and gobs of handfills were right. coming out yeah yeah that was terrifying. right right so that's uh, also that, a big hormonal change back. right so there you go it's just like after you're pregnant some hair loss is most likely due to lower progesterone and estrogen and it may be due to decreased blood flow to skin structures as we age also in addition, during perimenopause, so during that time, especially in your 40s, before that last uh, period, there are those complex hormonal changes involving your body mass index, your sex hormone binding globulin and insulin that can be happening 45 to 60, say, and that can result in relatively higher amounts of circulating testosterone in women. So that's a male hormone. Nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? And we know, if Hence we know anything, beard. we Hence know. my beard. <laughs> exactly. So in general, this can contribute to hair, more hair in a beard distribution, kind of along the sides of the face, along underneath, uh, above the lip and on the chin. Uh, also yeah. on the abdomen. So sometimes women will have more abdominal hair as well. And again, it just gets better and better, Suzanne. Right. I mean, I get my beard growing in finally. My belly not only gets big with truncular obesity, mm-hmm. but it gets it gets big and hairy. Right. Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe this also contributes some to this uh, this bald, some of the balding or hair loss that's happening. These increased uh, these increased androgens. We know also that in the epigenetics of male pattern baldness, that that starts about the same. Yeah. So this is a great term. I know I just threw a term in there for you, but epigenetics is is the science of when genes get activated. So, you know, you've got certain genes that uh, you inherited. Um, some are recessive, some are dominant. Does that, that might be ringing a bell a little bit. It determines mm-hmm. how you look, what you inherited from your family. Eyes. And some of them just stay, some of those genes just live in your, in each one of your cells, the same genetic code, and they're not expressed. You know, they just lay there dormant. They're just a closed book waiting to be open. Well, epigenetics is when that book is open and your (laughs) cell starts reading it and acting upon it and the enzymes start uh, activating. So that's epigenetics. Uh, And we know that epigenetics of female pattern baldness may be starting about the same time as perimenopause. Oh my God, because it just keeps getting better. It gets better, I know. So this type of balding pattern is very much genetically determined. So, and it occurs in an all over pattern generally. It's unfortunately generally uh, permanent, but it might respond to some treatments. Okay. Okay, Good to get at it earlier. Let me just tease those out then. Mm -hmm. So there is a, there is a hair loss that comes with perimenopause because of your estrogen and progesterone going bye-bye. So that's one reason. Then there could be a secondary cause with this epigenetic Mm -hmm. female pattern baldness. Is that what I hear you say? Yes, exactly. But you can lose your hair and not have the genetic 
situ- okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't like, nope, it's gone, right. and it's gone forever. And there's more. There's more reasons for this too. So we're we're not completely done with all our reasons. Um, oh, so do you remember remember maybe hearing some complaints about hair loss during the pandemic? It became a oh my topic God, yes. for a lot of people. Boy, I know. Yeah, well, people I were do totally too. stressed out. Right, yeah. and it was in the news too. So we. We know that emotional stress also plays a role in hair loss. So if you lose somebody close to you, if you suffer a drop job loss, if you're really working a couple of jobs uh, over time, you might experience hair loss from stress. And remember, in our last episode, we talked about the complexities of emotional state for a woman in midlife, right? Yes. Higher stress yep. contributing, and this higher stress might be contributing to that hair loss. Following uh, up on some stress reduction, taking time for yourself, avoiding alcohol and increasing exercise can help this, that this, uh, mitigate some of that stress and reverse some of that kind of hair loss. So attack your stress head on because I get it. See what I did there? Head on. (laughs) Right. So attack your stress hair on if you'd like to keep your hair. There's other possibilities (laughs) that can be happening at this time in life too. One other thing that we've talked about even in the past episodes of our podcasts are that thyroid affects your body in a lot of the similar ways to what menopause and perimenopause do. And, you know, we talked about that sometimes this phase of life is when low thyroid starts to come on because it's an autoimmune related disease. Low thyroid also contributes to hair loss. That's one of the common symptoms of low thyroid. The other symptoms are weight gain and fatigue. you know, similar symptoms to menopause. That's another reason why it's very important if you're having hair loss and you're, you're, you know, even if you're around menopause and we think, well, maybe that's it, get your thyroid checked to make sure that that's not part of the issue. Okay. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Well, and it's, it's a one for one, right? Yeah. We, if you'll recall from the last, from a couple of conversations ago, the list of, the list of perimenopausal symptoms and the list of thyroid problem symptoms are identical. Mm -hmm. So without a blood test, you don't know. Yeah, Okay. exactly. It's really hard to tell the difference. So we also know that uh, perimenopause is a time when the body's kind kind of going in turmoil in a sense. You know, there's these hormonal changes and hormones are little messengers that affect a lot of different cells. So it tends to be a time when autoimmune inflammation can start to be triggered. And one of those autoimmune sorts of disorders is an alopecia totalis is one and alopecia areata. Those are autoimmune related baldness uh, issues. So that just results in the, the uh, immunoglobulins of your immune system attacking the hair follicle and Ugh, uh, causing hair loss. Yes. So alopecia totalis kind of tells it all with the totalis. What's right. the other one? Uh, areata. It's a Which area. Means what? It means in patches. So it just actually oh, like full patches, patches where it's totally smooth. There's not even any kind of stubble at all. It's just, you know, that you've just lo- destroyed that hair follicle. Your immune system has destroyed that hair fo- follicle. And that's something that can actually, is, it is reversible. So it's something that a dermatologist can certainly help you with or a specialist in hair, an, an MD who specializes in hair loss. So you can, that kind of autoimmune issue can result in that patchy baldness or total baldness. 
but this is actually a less common for form of baldness uh, to start in menopause, and it can happen at any age. It can happen as a teenager, it can happen in your 20s, it can happen when you're older. Uh, but I just wanted to mention it because usually it's a good idea to get in to see somebody pretty quickly if that might be part of what you're experiencing. And it might okay. be just coming on with menopause. It might be the changes in menopause are stressing your system and out and causing this to, to kind of rear its ugly head. You might be lucky enough to have it all happening at once. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, well, you know I love control and to me, responses and, mm -hmm. and treatment options are so our way I control what seems really uncontrollable, maybe going yeah. bold. So talk, talk about those. Sure. The earlier you seek treatment, the better it is in most cases. And that, Why? yeah, because we're trying to support the hair follicle and that hair follicle is a living part of the hair that's located uh, in the scalp at the very base of the hair shaft. It's the only alive part of the entire hair strand. So the hair is created there, and then when it grows out, it becomes the it becomes the shaft, and that's pretty much just collagen. It's just dead. There's no blood supply. So there's nothing that medications or topicals can really do to that shaft. So really important to to uh, when to seek treatment when you really when you're starting within the first few three to six months of noticing uh, some mm. changes, so that we can start to start either medicines or topical me uh, treatments that might help. And okay. you know, if you you're noticing that, well, hey, this is happening with my hot flashes, my periods have stopped, and now my hair is falling out. Well, we've got a good you know medication that will help all of those symptoms, which would be estrogen, and we'll talk about that some more. Yeah. So remember that that we're trying to nurture that hair follicle, so that any medicine or supplement that you take and take will need to go through that hair follicle in order to uh, get to the shaft and affect the hair. Remember that if your hair strand is six inches long, at the very end of the hair, it's probably at least two years old. Even after we start treatments, it might take at least a year for your hair to grow to a point where it is apparent and affecting the total hair fullness and volume. Uh, so it takes a little while, like three months to start seeing any effect, you know, six to 12 months before you start to notice some more fullness uh, in your hair. So good to do it earlier to help nurture that hair follicle. That was stunning. That was one of the things that I learned is that all your hair doesn't all grow at the same time. Right. It grows in different, you know, this, this follicle and its next door neighbor don't yeah. grow at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so you're treating something and it takes three months. Mm -hmm. And then the one next door takes a different three months. Right. And then the other one takes a different three right. months. And so, and, and I think this is really important to note is that the kind of results that you're going to see if you start to have hair loss patience mm -hmm. you got to be patient and nothing is going to happen next week right nothing will probably even happen next month mm -hmm. so you right. got to like tuck it in just i'm waiting you've got to be in it for the <laughs> long haul so if you're using a topical it means that you need to just commit yourself to doing it uh as prescribed or on the label for three to six months, you just need to keep up with it, even if you don't see any changes, because you won't really see it in that first couple of months for sure. Yep. Yep. So, so just remember that to note that if you have breakage versus loss from the hair follicle, make sure that you clarify that and remember that that hair breakage occurs when the hair bends and breaks due to brittleness halfway down the shaft. 
And because we have that lifeblood of the hair and the follicle, early treatment and oral medications and supplements will take a while to have effect. If you have any breakage, you may need to change your hair washing and styling and coloring routine. So next time you see your hairdresser, you might want to mention that to them if you have hair breakage, since they're really good and, tr and trained in this area, and they may be able to recommend other products for you to use that are less drying to the hair shaft. So for the majority of women who have hair loss related to menopause, it's due to kind of changes that are affecting that hair follicle at the base, and estrogen replacement therapy would be helpful. The reason for this is twofold. We know that estrogen and progesterone help the skin blood flow, like we talked about when you're pregnant, resulting in less skin dryness and better hair and nail growth. And it also but that's not until that's not until I get it into full blown menopause that I could do estrogen replacement. That's therapy, right. right? If, yeah. I'm, if I'm in perimenopause, I'm still screwed <laughs> but if you're but you know, remember we have that one year of course right after that last period where we haven't officially diagnosed you as you know you need to be a whole year without a period in order to be considered postmenopausal. so if you have that hint that your periods are stopping and you're having hair loss this is the perfect time to start estrogen replacement therapy and sometimes when i have people who have really severe hair loss this is a time when we'll just go ahead and try some low dose estrogen and progesterone uh, in order to see mm. if it makes a difference. So there's a lot of different kinds of increments of estrogen that we might be able to use for, for in order to help with that. All right. Well, is there anything else that uh, estrogen and progesterone yeah. uh, help well, for hair and skin? Yeah. And well, and I just wanted to mention one of the reasons why when we take estrogen replacement therapy, it helps uh, blood flow to the vaginal region. And that's why it helps that vaginal dryness, just like it's helping what? your skin dryness and your hair dryness. So it's helping that, helping you kind of all of that epidermal area, uh, including vaginally. So we'll talk we about sh the we should do an entire <laughs> we should do an entire uh, episode on that, shouldn't we? Uh, yes, I think so, and maybe even bring in a specialist <laughs> yes, <laughs> because that's an that's an important thing for sure. Your vagina still means something, even postmenopausal. You still need your vagina. Still want that thing working. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So, I can't wait. So there's other treatments. So if a woman has a constellation of changes around menopause, which has also weight gain, especially in the abdomen, facial hair, and blood tests that show kind of borderline glucose or prediabetes or higher insulin levels, we might be thinking of like a polycystic ovarian syndrome or a met metabolic syndrome for these people. And that uh -huh. tends to be a testosterone excess state. And we'll sometimes use spironolactone in those patients. Uh, yeah. What's that? So spironolactone is spironolactone. The yep. And it's okay. old medicine that we used to use for blood pressure. Sometimes we use it as a diuretic, uh, but it has an, an effective blocking testosterone receptors on the hair follicle and in the skin. So it right. actually ends up helping acne and excessive hair growth on the face. So that's a nice medicine. That's a twofer as well. Um, yeah, so we are going to do a skin episode, and we'll talk about this. But for those of you who are experiencing your teenage acne breakouts, mm -hmm. this could definitely be an option for you as well because it, right. it, it addresses that. Right. So another <laughs> blood pressure medicine that helps blood flow to the scalp is minoxidil. 
So that one taken at low doses daily might be very effective for helping hair growth too. So those are two nice. non-hormonal prescription, regular prescription medicines. For, and those are, and then you take those and you eat those as a pill or something. Yeah, right? you can eat We're those as a pill, low dose pill. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and for all these, even for, we talked about different types of hair loss. There's some medicines that'll work for both. One of the, one is called Propecia or Finasteride shampoo or foam. Uh, you can also take finasteride orally at one milligram a day. So that those are medicines that'll work for hair growth no matter what the cause. Uh, it just happens to be a side effect of the medicine. I mean, it's a medicine that we used to use for other reasons. And we found, wow, look at that. People's hair are, are growing uh, like crazy. It, so It sounds and, uh, as if there's a bunch of, it sounds like there's a bunch of medications that were originally <laughs> for something else, but right. <laughs> look at here, right. also grows hair. Latisse, which is that, uh, co- it's kind of a cosmetic uh for eyelashes same thing that was a side effect that they was originally for glaucoma and they said wait look at this women's eyelashes are so much longer let's use it just for that (laughs) what a happy Uh, accident yep so remember even with these these topicals it might take three months up to a year to notice complete effects there's some really good vitamins that are helpful for supporting your hair follicle too so biotin vitamin c vitamin e and zinc and uh, all of those are kind of coenzymes in the product body's production of collagen, which is a major component of your hair shaft. So that's why they're helpful. So Suzanne, I so I take a daily vitamin, a daily you know woman vitamin, and it says it's already got biotin, vitamin C, yeah. and vitamin E. Mm-hmm. Am I covered? Yeah, or, you probably are we talking covered. about above and beyond. No, if you are taking a supplement that has that, then that that that's probably covering you. In fact, you okay. know, there are some subscription vitamin products out there on the market that you might be thinking of, um, and some mm-hmm. of them have ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen herbal. It kind of helps with lots of things like energy. Uh, it's an adaptogen. Saw palmetto, uh, which is uh, one that uh, typically we use for prostate health. That one seems to promote hair growth. And we, as we talked, a lot of the combinations have the zinc, vitamin C, and vitamin E in them. Uh, sometimes also biotin as well that can be helpful for hair growth. What I hear you saying, and I think this is really important because I guarantee you there's a bazillion places online that are trying to sell you hair cures. Right. And they will take advantage of your misery to sell you crap. Mm-hmm. And so if if I'm going to look into some kind of a subscription service or if I'm going to buy something off the shelf, mm-hmm. I want to look for these particular ingredients, ash. Say it, ashwa. Ashwagandha, saw palmetto, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin E, and biotin. Those uh, okay. seem to be good over-the-counter herbals that might be helpful. If you you know if it feels like it's very severe, you can really see patches of hair coming out. Uh, you're really losing what looks like you know handfuls of hair. You may want to see a provider before you do that, just to make sure that you get your thyroid checked. Oh, I another thing I wanted to mention, um, besides thyroid, uh, anemia sometimes can cause hair loss too. And we, you know, we talked about those kind of crime scene periods where women are having really heavy periods. That can, that can, those crime scene periods can result in anemia and some, for some women, so losing five gallons of blood at a time might make me anemic, which would also make my hair fall Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> okay. Perfect. I just wanted to sum that up. <laughs> and we were talking about that kind of um, that 
that patchy, different kinds of baldness, the, the alopecia areata and the, the alopecia totalis. So if you're uh-huh. noticing your hair loss is patchy or all over and you're getting significant baldness, you may want to see the dermatologist sooner because they're the ones who help evaluate you for that autoimmune-related alopecia. And the sooner they can get you treated, then the better. Sometimes they'll even use uh, steroid injections in, intradermally wow. inside the, in small, small amounts of steroid within the hair of your scalp in order to keep that from happening. Um, and that's a dermatologist. So if I'm yes. going to my GP, they might not be uh, giving me these this sort of information. The dermatologist is really where I need to go for this. Right. Yeah. Okay. There's other kinds of scalp conditions that maybe your GP could handle you, that uh, can co- uh, contribute to uh, hair falling out, and that's seborrhea or psoriatic scalp. Generally, that that kind of really flaky, dry scalp can cause a hair loss by damaging the hair follicle. That you would notice yourself too. You'd have all of that really flaky, dandruffy scalp. So um, so you'd probably notice that as well, but not all the time. Sometimes people don't notice that it's happening. Your GP might be able to handle that one. So that's another condition though that can be associated with hair, hair loss. There's another, wow. there's some, there's uh, out there you might find cold laser caps. And they do have some research that shows that they might help hair regrowth with, with little really? side effects. They're expensive though. They can be expensive and take multiple treatments. Um, so, so that's just something to keep in mind. I always thought that that was some kind of like, uh-huh, I shine a light in my hair. Mm-hmm. Well, my head and my hair grows, but right. okay, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, they uh, are expensive though. I'm not advocating for it really. I think there's a lot of things to try before you go to go that route for sure. And I, and I, you know, I want to mention my friend, Chinese medicine that I love so much. <laughs> and just because I think that with Chinese medicine, they have an interesting take. So just using this whole different paradigm, you know, the top of the head and the scalp is, uh, uh on a person's body is thought to be ruled or governed by the kidney system. And this system in Chinese medicine is the creator of all our body chi or energy, so to me, it's interesting that as we age, our hair turns gray as our energy decreases, as we kind of lose our chi with aging. So in, our, in menopause, our body is very stressed by hormone and body changes and is trying to find a return to homeostasis. So that might be part of like the, the Chinese paradigm of why you might be losing hair. So maybe if you're having hair and scalp issues, it might be useful for you to seek support from your acupuncturist for help balancing these elements and meridians. There it is. It's yeah. our it's our uh, ep- once per episode at least we right. mentioned the benefits yeah. of acupuncture. I know. So <laughs> right. I, I actually did not know that, and I see an acupuncturist, so I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, and it's a good thing to mention to them if you do see them regularly, because it's a good symptom in, in Chinese medicine as well. And then remember, when we're talking about treatments. We mentioned right up uh, at the very beginning that stress. Uh, might contribute to hair loss after you have a traumatic event or loss of someone close to you might have hair loss and menopause is a stressful time so don't forget about that good old stress reduction and protecting your sleep which will help help your hair as well i just think you have a crazy part for this whole protecting your sleep you just you won't you won't get off that soapbox i won't i love it (laughs) between protect your sleep and stop drinking i don't don't know how to feel about you right i I thought we had a relationship but i don't know anymore (laughs) 
<laughs> no, no, this is this has been really good, and and um, I think it's it's important because again, you can hide a lot of your perimenopausal symptoms, but your hair falling out is a tough one, mm-hmm. and it's a, and it's a, a it, it's a blow to your ego, it's a blow to your femininity, it it just it makes you look as shitty as you feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's which is a little harsh, but it, that's certainly the way I felt. So there's a lot of things that I heard you say. First of all, you need to make the distinction between hair loss and hair breakage. Hair breakage is going to happen because your hair is getting more brittle as you get older and you keep styling and coloring the same way you did in your 30s, you're going to have hair breakage. That's going to require you to treat your hair better, which is different than hair loss or alopecia. You're losing hair, like it's coming out in the shower, in you know, a lot because you have decreasing estrogen, which is really important to hair, skin, and nail growth. Mm-hmm. It's really, and, and I think this one is critical too. Don't wait. You see that hair starting to come out, get on it. It's important because hair falls out in two seconds, but it takes months to grow back. You have options. That's the beautiful thing. You can take vitamins. There's prescription op- options. And it seems to me that a lot of the prescriptions uh, because they were like off-label, they were actually meant for something else, they're super affordable or they've been around for a long-ass time and a happy side effect of the medication is that you get to grow hair. <laughs> I don't think I'm wrong with that. Right. And um, and there's topical treatments as well. We didn't touch on those as much, but um, there certainly are topical treatments that are effective. If you go to your GP with your truckload of symptoms and and hair loss is not being addressed in the way that you think is making a difference after you've given it a chance, see a dermatologist. Again, the dermatologist, not your general practitioner, is going to be the one who can really do the diagnosis with your hair. Another thing that you really need to make sure is that this isn't a thyroid issue. Thyroid and perimenopause symptoms look identical. Get that thyroid test done to make sure that we're, you're getting the right thing treated here. And finally, what I think is super important too is because our appearance is really important to us and commerce understands that there are millions of treatments and some of them can get really, really costly. We will pay a fortune to fix this sort of problem. So what I'm asking is that, that you be careful and don't overlook affordable options just because they're affordable. Just because it's got a huge price tag on it doesn't mean it works. Right. Just because it's got a low price tag on it may mean it does. Right. So, Good point. That's a very good point. Sometimes those yeah. medicines that have been around a long time and are, have been indicated for hair loss for 20 years, they might be generic now and they or they might be over the counter. And uh, they're, those will be, t- those are time tested and and truly can help uh, increase your hair growth again. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate us talking about this. I think, again, this is a challenging symptom if this is something that you're struggling with because it's just so visible. And mm-hmm. so I think there's a lot of options and you you do have recourse in this particular situation. Mm-hmm. So let's do a quick preview into our next episode. The next time, we are moving away from some of the symptoms of perimenopause, and we will tell you about what your doctor doesn't know about what's happened to you. Hmm. Join me aghast for our next episode of the Perimenopodcast.
like to visit our website where reference materials and links to other podcasts are held, please visit us at www.theperimenopodcast.com. If you have questions, comments, thoughts for another episode, please feel free to send us an email at theperimenopodcast at gmail.com. Find more episodes wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please do us a favor. If this information has been helpful to you, please like us, write a review if you're so inclined, and most importantly, share this podcast with another sister so she can be informed too.